0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hello everyone. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 7, Branch Closing. In this week's episode, Jan has some news, the Scranton and Stamford... Branches react, and Michael and Dwight go on a mission. This episode's cold open features a prank by Jim that I think is probably one of his better ones. I agree. It takes a lot of forethought and planning and really is one of those things that Jim probably when he's bored can just be like, well, what am I going to do? Okay, I can just send Dwight a fax.
1: From himself. Right. From the future. Yes. It's also super personality driven. It's knowing Dwight's personality and knowing that he would take this very seriously. He would believe in faxes from himself from the future. And so it's, like you said, a perfect prank because of its simplicity, but it's very reliant on Dwight's personality.
0: Right. So what happens is... At the very beginning of the episode, Jim is seen at the fax machine, seemingly pretty early in the morning, and Karen comes by and says, who are you faxing so early? Yeah. And Jim's like, you know, it, it's pretty complicated to tell, so he tells the camera in an interstitial before he left Scranton, he took a box of Dwight's stationery so periodically he will send dwight faxes from himself from the future so in this case he sends dwight a fax saying that at 8 a.m today the coffee will be poisoned more details to follow
1: do not drink the coffee
0: yes so as dwight is receiving this he gets this panicked look on his face and he looks around the office and at that moment Stanley is coming out of the break room with a mug of coffee in his hand. And so he runs over and slaps the coffee out of his hand and just says, you'll thank me later.
1: Which Stanley is not amused by, probably won't thank him later. So it's just a really, this is an iconic uh, cold open in my opinion. We have not had that many really iconic ones yet in season three, I would say. Uh, And this is a really good one.
0: So the main part of the episode kicks off with a meeting between Michael and Jan, and we really get to the main plot of this episode right away.
1: And really, this episode is such a good one. It's a big driver of the plot. Everything that happens in this episode is directly connected to this meeting, between Jan and Michael, but also what's great about this episode is that we learn a lot about all the characters. Everyone is able to show so much about their personality or their hopes and dreams for their future just based off this one piece of information. And it's really compelling because you see a lot of the through lines of these little nuggets of information come to fruition in later episodes of the series.
0: That's actually a really good point. So Jan starts right away with Michael pretty much skipping the pleasantries and everything and just says, hey, your branch is closing. And Michael doesn't really take it seriously at the beginning.
1: It doesn't seem like it registered with him. Sure. So Jan says this was a board decision, which makes sense. The board of directors has to vote on something like that. And it really doesn't hit home until Jan says some people will be transferred to Stanford, but many people will get severance packages.
0: And Michael asks who those people are and specifically asks about himself. Is he a transferring person or is he a severance person? And Jan says at large, she can't really say who's going where, but she does tell Michael that He is, in fact, going to be fired.
1: Yes. And Michael really starts freaking out at this point. He is yelling and crying. And Jan asks him to use his discretion, which is such a big ask for Michael. And Jan knows this. And I am shocked that they did not withhold this information from him. But as the manager of the branch they probably really couldn't. And Michael takes it personally, just like he does with everything.
0: Right. One thing I do want to bring up though is that this is kind of a weird decision made by Dunder Mifflin in my mind. It makes sense to me in some ways, but in other ways it doesn't because as we have seen in many episodes before this one, Michael should have been fired long, long ago. Sure. (laughs) And so it's kind of this weird thing that there is clearly something about him that makes him valuable enough to where they are willing to overlook everything before this and say, he needs to be part of our company. So with that in mind, I don't understand how he isn't getting transferred somewhere else. However, you could look at the other side of that and say, uh-huh. he has done all of these things before this, and this is finally the thing where they can be like, okay, great, we, we can make good by him and fire him just because his branch is closing and not because... He's an idiot, he's a racist, he's a misogynist. He has done all of these things that should have warranted him being fired.
1: Agree. I think this was an easy way to say, we can be rid of this guy. We constantly reevaluate him. I truly think they're always weighing the scales, especially if you think about last episode when they were asking Pam to keep the log of everything he does. I feel like there's always gonna be this weighing for Michael in the scheme of what value does he add to this company, and then what is the cost of keeping him? And as we'll see as the episode goes on, a lot of this restructuring was about talent, and that's what Jan conveys to Michael. So there's someone that they have in mind with this talent that they think is gonna carry this company forward, and that's what this restructuring was about.
0: For sure, and this kind of ties into what you said about him taking things personal, because Michael is seeing this as Stanford being chosen over Scranton is, Josh being chosen over him. And Jan says that the CFO sees Josh as a very integral part of the company moving forward, which will be very important later on in this episode.
1: And more so, Michael takes it personal that Jan is the one delivering the news. And it seems like he thinks that Jan weighed in on this decision and the fact that Michael quote-unquote hurt Jan by dating Carol or breaking up with Jan or whatever has added to this decision. So Michael tells Jan to not hurt him like he hurt her.
0: Right. And so after the meeting ends, Michael goes into this monologue just about how, how special the people in Scranton are and do you think Stanley's grow on trees and is there a Kevin farm out there? And as he is saying this, the camera is cutting to the each individual employees and in these shots, none of the employees are actually doing any work.
1: Right. They don't, uh, they're not making a compelling case for themselves. Michael, of course does not have any sort of ability to be discreet or to maintain discretion so it might not even be five minutes after the meeting as far as the runtime of the episode and he has spilled the beans to the office at first he was giving weird hints and just saying things under his breath and then he decides nope just gonna tell everybody gonna just shout it out uh by saying, "Hey, everyone! Attention! I have an announcement."
0: Right. He he does this weird thing where he's just kind of like wandering around the office, yeah. reminiscing, and and yeah, like you said, he's giving these hints to specifically Dwight and Pam underneath his breath, but not really all that quietly. Like right. both. Dwight and Pam hear what he has said, and they're like, wait, what does that even mean? Yeah,
1: we're not going to be here. What do you mean we won't see each other? Just things like that. So then he tells the branch, hey, they decided to close us. No idea what's happening. He can't tell anyone if they're going to have jobs. Then Toby pipes up and says, hey, I don't think we should be talking about this yet. We don't have all the information. Which infuriates Michael further because Toby has proven himself yet again to be a traitor.
0: After kind of contemplating what is going on, Michael decides he's not going to stand for this. He loves this office too much. And so he is going to fight for his job and the jobs of everyone else in the Scranton office. So he decides he is going to New York and he's going to talk to David Wallace personally. And he's not going to leave until he changes David's mind.
1: And he does this without consulting Jan, anybody. He further decides to take Dwight with him, to which Pam says, oh, good, you're taking Dwight. (laughs) And Michael does not pick up on the sarcasm or anything. Uh, He says, yeah, it could get ugly. I might need backup.
0: On their way to New York, Dwight calls the New York office to just kind of get a status check on David. And he learns that David is not in the office, nor will he be for the rest of the day. So they decide they're gonna meet him at his house, which Dwight knows where that is because of sending Christmas cards to David Wallace.
1: Curtis, let's chat a little bit about the reactions of the Scranton employees and the Stanford employees upon learning the news. I think my favorite reaction comes from Ryan. He says, of course it would happen on today because he had just gotten a thousand business cards uh, saying, you know, Ryan Howard, salesman at Dunder Mifflin at this address and phone number, which is. So true. Literally, I feel like sometimes what happens is whenever you take a new position, that's when you just got a huge batch of business cards.
0: Right. He does kind of change his outlook on this later on in the episode because he's like, you know what? I've gotten some great experience here. Michael will write me a great recommendation. And you know what? Things between Kelly and I... Just kind of a good place to end it at.
1: Yeah, he is not sad whatsoever. Kelly is distraught at the thought that Ryan and her would no longer be working together. So there's this recognition by both of them that this relationship is not strong enough to withstand not working together.
0: For sure. (laughs) Which is hilarious. Another person who is ecstatic about the branch clothing is Stanley. Yes. Which is not surprising, of course. Stanley is already packing his things. He is getting his box together. He's putting his pictures away. He's saying that, I'm taking the severance. I'm retiring. We're going to go to Florida. My wife and I, we're just going to enjoy life. Yeah,
1: he, he has no qualms about saying, nope, I could end my career right here. Angela is mad at everyone. She says she doesn't blame one person. She blames everyone for the branch closing. Uh, That makes sense. Pam says she's okay with this. Like, maybe this is a blessing in disguise. She could do something different. This is sort of contributing to her new outlook on her life and turning over a new leaf.
0: However, later in the episode, when things kind of settle down a little bit, she seems to be back into pay mode where it's, you know, a new job. You got to learn new stuff. You got to deal with a different boss. You got to learn to, you know, sit in a new desk. Right. It's, she, she is kind of happy to still be in that bubble that she knows.
1: She's able to talk herself into lack of inertia pretty often in her life, and that's where she's at. Uh, she's able to talk herself out of taking any sort of risks. Roy is very worried about the branch closing because he cannot imagine working at Dunder Mifflin without Pam. He talks to her for a little bit, asks her what her plans are, and is sort of surprised at the fact that she would be okay with this. She'd be okay with getting the severance and starting over saying, you know, I, I have art school and... Roy's like, Yes, yes, you should definitely do art school. And Pam informs him she's already doing it, already enrolled. And Roy's taken aback because that means that something's happening in Pam's life without him that he doesn't really know about. Like he is yet to fully accept that their relationship is over.
0: And we do get another development in what is the weird fascination. Of Angela in Roy in this episode. She
1: has the biggest crush on Roy.
0: Because when Roy is up talking to just the office members in general, I think it's Kevin and Angela in this moment, Angela's just like you are going to be okay because you are a big strong man essentially. (laughs)
1: Right. She has nothing to go on besides you're strong and capable.
0: And we do learn that Roy will be okay because Michael is down in the warehouse talking to Daryl, Daryl informs him that Bob Vance bought up the warehouse. So all the guys that work down there still have jobs. Yeah. So that kind of makes the reaction that Roy has to this whole thing even deeper because he isn't dealing with the uncertainty of the future that mm-hmm. the office workers are.
1: Right. Whether he's going to have a job or not. Yeah. Yeah. Meredith gives us a very weird uh backstory, and that this makes sense for Meredith's character. Apparently she made a deal with someone, she cannot remember who, that on the last day of work, they will bang, essentially. She thinks maybe it's Michael, definitely turns out to not be Michael. She asks Toby if he has ever heard a rumor about her, somebody, last day of work something sexual and he's like uh no so Meredith is really racking her brains to figure out who this could be at the end of the episode she gets a call from I forget the guy's name now but someone that used to work in the warehouse Mm -hmm. and says hey heard through the grapevine last day of work for you let's fulfill this pact
0: the person who is probably taking full advantage of this opportunity is Creed but not in necessarily the most legal of ways. Creed is going around and taking pictures of people's desks and Stanley asks him if he's feeling nostalgic and Creed's like, yeah, something like that. Turns out that Creed is selling off the office equipment on the internet. And we see two people coming in throughout this episode to buy a printer and a computer from him and he says at the end of the day he made about $1,500. So Creed will get a little stipend on top of the severance that he's about to get.
1: In Stanford, Karen informs Jim about the Scranton branch closing and Jim is pretty surprised. He's taken aback. He's really concerned about what this means for him and who would be coming to Stanford Andy decides to take this moment to tell Jim to suck it even though he doesn't work at Scranton anymore and to lead the office in this cheer in the celebration that they still have their jobs they have clearly won if you will in the battle of who's gonna shut down and he uh, tells everyone to applaud their fearless leader Josh
0: It is around this moment that Jan comes to the office in Stanford just to kind of finalize things there and let everyone know their roles going forward.
1: Yeah. Talk through all these new developments.
0: She meets with Josh and Jim in Josh's office, and she says that Josh will be kind of the head of this new division of... Dunder Mifflin called Dunder Mifflin Northeast. It seems like they're just kind of con- consolidating rather yes. than having these smaller territories. They're just making larger ones from mm-hmm. those smaller. So she
1: says it's every office that they, that Dunder Mifflin has North of Stamford, which I guess would include Scranton, Buffalo, Nashua. I'm blanking on others, but maybe three or four. It's.
0: Pretty much all of it. Like that's all we know of.
1: Right. All we like, know that's south of Stanford is New York.
0: Yeah. And like we we don't get the idea that this is a company that's in Florida, Georgia, right. California, you know, other states other than the Northeast. So mm-hmm. it it's not very clear as to how much of an expanded role this is for Josh. For sure. So Jan also says to Jim that as long as you're willing, you are going to be Josh's number two. So this seems to be a step up for Jim too.
1: That'd be a great promotion.
0: It is at this moment that Josh kind of puts a halt on things and says, I have accepted a senior management position with Staples.
1: As of today.
0: As of today. And Jan is furious.
1: Rightfully so, because I'm sure that this was all in the works before the board meeting. That they had probably had meetings with Josh saying, hey, we recognize your talent. We like what you're doing here. We want to keep you. This is what we'd like to do. And so he took that, went to Staples, and said, I would like probably a more money and a a bigger title
0: right here's what i'm about to get you have to better this yeah in order for me to come over
1: so josh consciously knew what he was doing here kept it a secret from jan jan is like oh my god i have to make a couple calls jim is appalled at this and he tells the cameras Say what you will about Michael Scott, but he would never do that. Which we know to be true, Michael is extremely loyal to a fault to Dunder Mifflin, obviously more so than they are to him. But Josh definitely was deceptive and wily in making uh, this leverage.
0: Absolutely. So things at Stamford kind of revert back to what we saw in Scranton. People are now going from kind of celebrating their branch not closing to oh now what am I gonna do? Yeah.
1: Oh god, am I gonna have a job?
0: Andy says to Jim that he's just gonna be he's gonna be just fine because <laughs> the alumni network at Cornell is very, very strong. Andy never won to shy away from mentioning the fact that he went to an Ivy League school
1: for sure Jan tells Jim that she would like to offer him the number two position at Scranton that essentially like Curtis said this is just going to be reversed that Scranton will absorb some of Stanford Jim is conflicted he says I just have these bad memories that I am not willing to confront yet and probably haven't worked through I don't know Jan is pretty desperate and says, please think about it. We'll do anything we can to keep you. Let us know.
0: And some of it is probably the situation that, you know, they just lost the guy that they were really centering this around. Jim clearly plays a vital part in this as well. Jan is probably trying to circle the wagons as best as she can and keep everybody in that she can. But I think this is probably the first time that we have truly seen the value that Jim has to the company at large, which is odd considering the fact that Jim clearly has zero motivation to better himself in Dunder Mifflin. I think
1: he's made strides this season, though. He had said to Dwight at that convention that he sold a big volume. He's playing a big role as the number two at Stanford. I think that we're seeing a little bit of a different side of Jim. We haven't gotten a ton, you know, a ton of visual evidence of that just because we're spending more time in Scranton than in Stanford. But I do think this is a little bit of a different guy than we met in season one.
0: And this is something that I am very excited to talk about. Because there is a reason that Jim has changed. And we will be getting into that in future episodes. Lastly, Karen is kind of on the fence about what she wants to do. Mm -hmm. She has the discussion with Jim about, you know, hey, are you going to go? What are you going to do? And Jim still at this moment doesn't really know. I think we all know what Jim's going to do. Yeah.
1: The fear is Pam. Yeah, that's for, the fear. Obviously. but Karen knows absolutely nothing about Pam, about Scranton, Jim's life in Scranton. She doesn't know any of this.
0: When Jim asks Karen what she's going to do, Karen seems to be leaning towards going to Scranton, which I can't necessarily blame her for. I think it's easier to take a job that you know you have rather than take a three-month, six-month severance package and hope that you can find a job in that time.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jim does make a good point. She is 45 minutes from New York, and I don't think that Scranton is that close to Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, Um, so I'm not sure what the market is for sales or jobs or whatever uh, between the two. But you know, if you're willing and you like the company and you don't have a necessarily huge tie to any one place, could be a new adventure sort of thing.
0: And Karen takes this in a way that she sees this as Jim kind of pushing her away. Yeah. Jim doesn't mean this at all but I think Karen recognizes that there is clearly something there.
1: Yeah, she, she likes him.
0: Right. And so this would be a chance to kind of foster that and, you know, keep this relationship going mm-hmm. if Jim were to go to Scranton as well. And Jim is kind of putting the kibosh on that right away in her mind. Later in the episode, we learn that Jim has finally come to a decision, and he is going to take the job in Scranton. Yeah, he's going to go back. And he says to Karen that Scranton isn't that bad of a place, Mm -hmm. and if she were offered a job, she should take it. And so she is, again, viewing this in terms of their relationship. This is Jim wanting her to be around.
1: Yeah. He's willing to see her every day.
0: Yeah. And this is where she finally says to the camera what we all pretty much knew Mm -hmm. from the beginning is that she does have feelings for Jim. Yeah. And she hopes that he reciprocates those feelings.
1: Yes. Meanwhile, in Scranton, Jan has had to drive back to sort of fix the debacle that Josh kicked off uh, by taking a different job. Michael is not there because he has driven to New York with Dwight. Jan sees that everyone is sort of checked out and has is not working. Ryan's throwing his business cards up in the air. Danley's packing up his desk.
0: People are just kind of wandering around. Yeah,
1: it is kind of just nuts. And Jan says... Oh my God, I've driven 400 miles today. There's probably a better way to do this, but you guys are safe. Scranton is staying open. Stanford people are going to be coming here. It's compl- You're not closing down now. And everyone cheers and is sort of amazed. And Pam asked Jan if Michael actually did something. And Jan is sort of fumbling with her phone and is like, what? What are you talking about? Has no idea that Michael is at David Wallace's house. Then Pam asks Jan if anyone is coming back to Scranton. She means Jim. So both Pam and Jim this entire episode are just really concerned about seeing each other again and what that's going to be like. And Jan tells her, you know, we don't know. We're, We're trying to get all this figured out. Which... In my opinion, maybe the company should have had all this figured out before making all these announcements or at least had a roster of people they had in mind to make offers to or something.
0: I'm curious how much of it has to do with, yeah, maybe they had like a, a power ranking, if you will. Like there's, they have a list of people who are like, all right, these people definitely getting severance. Yeah. So pe- probably like people who are close to retirement age, definitely getting the severance and then they start at the top of their power ranking and they say hey we would really love Mm -hmm. you to transfer you it's either this or you can take the severance package Mm -hmm. so they probably can't have that set in stone right away
1: until they talk with everyone yeah at david wallace's house Dwight and Michael are just waiting. They're, they've are they knocked on the door. They've rung the bell. No one has answered. So they are going to wait it out.
0: There has been a progression of their feelings as they have spent this time just waiting for David Wallace. Yes. When they first get there, they're obviously just amped up. They are, they're angry. They want to save the branch.
1: They're going to confront him. It's going to be yeah. this big... Up,
0: Michael Moore style, yeah. camera in your face. Why did you do this? Yeah. According to Michael, and when they learn David Wallace isn't there, they kind of go back, they regroup, and Dwight's like, "What are you gonna say? Why? You know, what? What do you? What do you want to say to to David that that's gonna help us?" And J- Michael's like, nah, "I don't know. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for it. I'm gonna, He's gonna improv." Wing it and Dwight's like you got to have a plan let's let's figure this out so Michael plays the role of Michael and Dwight plays the role of Dwight and Dwight is coming home and sees Michael there and Michael's like why are you closing our branch and Dwight is a little too good at the role playing here because he lays out exactly why the branch is closing and gives very valid reasons as to why the Scranton branch specifically is closing. And it's the same reasons that we have heard throughout the entire show. Just that the paper business is dying. The branch itself isn't feasible anymore. And it's a dollars and cents thing.
1: Hours stretch on. Dwight digs through David's trash Michael declines a call from Pam, which would actually be telling him what happened. Michael and Dwight sit in Michael's car and just reminisce on their best memories of Dunder Mifflin and kind of what their time together meant to each other. Most of Dwight's center around just Michael being kind to him or just moments between him and Michael. Finally, after several hours, Dwight checks his voicemail and it turns out, I don't know if it was Pam, maybe it was Angela, but someone tells Dwight, hey, Scranton is staying open. Stamford is closing. That's the news. And they both celebrate. They think that somehow by them being there at David Wallace's house that they have done it and they have made it happen. And they just have this huge celebration together because they have saved the branch.
0: And this is kind of the perfect encapsulation of Michael in general that things happen in spite of him not because of him and he's oblivious to it and he thinks that things are happening because Because. of him exactly so there is a confluence of events that happen around him that he has absolutely nothing to do with and then once it benefits him it's just like yep I did it and that really like before we started watching this episode, I said, I can't, I hate the end of this episode. It's not as bad as I remember. Yeah. It's Michael and Dwight being just dumb in jubilation. Like, it's not Michael being as arrogant and cocky as I remember it being, so.
1: Yes. The episode ends with these Scranton employees going to Poor Richard's to celebrate, And Phyllis shares some scuttlebutt with Pam that Jim's coming back. And Pam gets so excited. She's like, how do you know that? Phyllis can't tell her at that moment. She says she'll tell her later. Phyllis is kind of caught up in the celebration and is ready to have shots with everybody. Pam declines to go for some reason. But she is really buoyed by the news that Jim is coming back. Jim seems apprehensive, though.
0: Yeah, I think that's all conjecture like there's no way that phyllis would have known that i feel like that was just a probably a telephone type situation where people are uh, in the office are talking about you know people coming from the stanford branch to the scranton branch and somebody says oh you know jim's there i wonder if he'll come back and i wonder if he'll come back turns in and somehow turns into Oh, I heard Jim's coming back.
1: If you've ever worked in an office, you know how rumors get started and fly around. Right.
0: So that does it for this very eventful episode. Mm -hmm. We get, like we said at the beginning, we get a lot of plot here. This is the, really, this is the catalyst for the rest of the season going forward. We kind of mentioned in previous episodes how there wasn't a whole lot going on in the first six episodes of this season it's Mm -hmm. just kind of filler it's comedy here and there you get kind of little threads that will get tied up eventually but this right this is the knot right here and we are going to get kind of the joining threads from here on in agree so with that let's go to the annex with antonette and find out any fun facts about this episode
1: really there aren't any fun facts pam has a new hairstyle so she has all of her hair back in a in a ponytail in a barrette instead of her half up usual style she's going for it with art school and this sort of like new pam toby's dream was to go to costa rica and that comes up again in season four Ryan's dream is to be gone from Kelly and to just have this job and business. That doesn't come to fruition, and Kelly is just over the moon that they can stay together. So it's just these little tidbits of information with everyone that sort of will pay off uh, in the end down the road.
0: One thing, is this the first time we have heard Michael's ringtone.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, it is. Michael's ringtone is My Humps by Black Eyed Peas. Not the actual song, but a... The
0: the MIDI version of it that you could download in 2006 or whatever it is. And now I have that song stuck in my head still. I know. And I can't stand it.
1: Such a bad song.
0: It really is. We did get a firing this episode.
1: Yes. Creed
0: definitely gets fired for selling company equipment.
1: Yeah, for a profit, cannot do that. Uh, also don't know what he's going to do for a computer and a phone and a monitor.
0: Or how that's, yeah, that's how, since the branch is not closing anymore, how does that get resolved That is like, oh, this printer's gone already. Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure I saw Creed give it to some guy. I didn't know. How come you don't have a computer anymore, Creed? Right. <laughs> This is Creed's second firing this season and his second overall. Antoinette, do you have a dundee to give out?
1: Yes, my dundee for best long-term impression strategy of your boss goes to Dwight for sending a Christmas card to David Wallace every year just in case he finally meets them so they have something to talk about. That is good. What is your dundee?
0: My Dundee is the Secure the Bag Award. That goes to Josh. (laughs) You know what? I respect what he did. Dunder Mifflin is clearly a dying company. Yeah. Get out of there while you can. And he leveraged that offer to get a better job with a better company, making more money. Good for him.
1: Yeah, he definitely looked out for a number one.
0: Look out for yourself and your family above everything else.
1: Who's your employee of the month, Curtis?
0: My employee of the month this episode is everyone that works at the Scranton office. I guess with the exception of Stanley and Toby, they both see, and Ryan, they both seem to be, or they all seem to be kind of bummed about the fact that the branch isn't closing, But everybody else still has a job, and that's what they were most worried about. Yeah. Who is your employee of the month?
1: My employee of the month is Jan, because I really think she tried to do the right thing here and talk to people in person and make sure the plan was in place, especially after Josh's flip-flop. So she would have had to drive from Stanford back to Scranton after she'd already been there. And she really did try to do the right thing in a crisis and manage the moment. So kudos to
0: her. Yeah, we did the math. And according to Google Maps, Jan drove 421 miles in seven hours. So that doesn't really add up. Timeline-wise, there's no way she was able to do that. Like she would have had to be in the office in scranton like at 7:30 yeah. at 8 a.m. something like that and then only been in each office for a total of like 20 minutes right. which we know probably isn't the case
1: fitting that in the 8 to 5 day was a little a little bit of a stretch
0: right so that does it for this week's episode please follow us on twitter at downsizingpod to get all the latest updates and keep listening to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please rate us, subscribe, give us five stars, whatever, to just kind of keep help getting our name out there. We hope everyone is staying safe in these weird times right now. Uh, We are glad that you are choosing us to kind of fill your social distancing needs right now. And we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Bye.
1: See ya. Stay safe.